Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Drumroll, please! Today's episode is with 2019 Men's Hairdresser of the Year, Tom White. And this conversation actually goes a little bit different than maybe what you would have expected. We definitely talk about Tom's incredible career as an educator and competitions and winning an award, but it actually goes into more of the business side, which is something that I was quite interested in, in shedding light on how you can go from working for somebody in a salon to opening your own, or Tom has gone another route and is a business owner in the salon that he used to work for. So bought into that partnership and really goes through how he redeveloped an already existing um, location and brand and made it his own and how he is making a difference in having a really great salon culture. So I thought this was really interesting and talking about the value of business partners and sometimes what can deter us, I think, as hairdressers is that again, we're just hairdressers. How would I know how to run a business or how would I understand how to open a salon or all of these things? And so Tom had the idea of doing it himself and was going to open his own salon. And then by speaking up and voicing that that's kind of what his ambition was to his boss, the opportunity presented itself for him to join and buy into the business. So super cool. And I think Tom is a very outspoken, opinionated person that can ruffle some feathers, but I think he is a straight shooter and I really enjoyed this conversation. And I, yeah, always value having some time to talk with him. So I appreciate taking the time to sit down and talk with us. And this is maybe a little bit of a different side than what you would have been expecting from this interview, talking about awards and education and all of that. It's a little bit more on running a business, being a good manager, and knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses, that you may not be good in every avenue of being a manager, but being aware of that and having people to back you and support you um, in the in the things that maybe aren't your 100% strength and being self-aware is pretty cool. So enjoy this interview with Tom White. All right, today my guest is Mr. Tom White. I've been very excited for this one. Hope you have too. Hello. 
I have, I have, mate. I have. It's good to finally actually get on and do this. Yeah, I'm so glad you were one of the. I feel like I say this to everybody, but I do mean it. You were one of the first I asked. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's taken a little bit to get it organized. It's hard. You'd think we have all this time, but we actually don't, eh? If you're someone uh, like us, actually... like, you utilize this time so much to find so many things to do, and you end up more busy. Honestly, lockdown's probably been busier than what it would be if the salons were open for me. Yeah. It's been chaos. I'm working on a few different projects and stuff as well, but it's. I reckon I probably had one full week off in the 13 or 12 or 11. I don't even know how many weeks I've had off. Six now. years been, we've been off. Oh, long. But yeah, I reckon I've had one whole week off. Taking yeah. the odd day off here and there, like, but it's been real busy trying to keep all the staff up and about and motivated, make sure they're doing stuff, still keeping their skills current. Been full on. It's been real yeah. full on. Because you are a salon owner. Salon. I, I never know, you know, that's a, what, the one word I never know how it's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> you say it too salon or salon i <laughs> know oh, right you've still you still got that north american thing i've in adapted there. some things but that's the one word honestly i never know how it's going to come out but <laughs> let's roll just into your beginning this is how i love to just i love asking everybody did you always want to be a hairdresser and how did you get into hairdressing no i definitely did not want to be a hairdresser um it was I suppose I, I grew up in a, a family full of academics. Okay. So my dad, my dad ran the newspaper. My mom uh, did like kind of a bit of psychology and worked with like um, abuse with, with women and helping them get back into society and stuff like that. So they all were quite ap academic. Um, I was quite academic at school, not arty, not creative. I'm still not arty or creative at all. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to be a footballer like every English lad. Like a soccer player? Yeah, we call it football because you're your feet and it's a ball. Well, that's all right. We won't talk about that. <laughs> Kills me every single time. Kills me every single time. It's like one thing I've been fighting. I've been here for 11 years nearly, and it's the one thing I fight. Oh, so you play soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, that soccer thing? No, it's football, mate. It's football. <laughs> that won't be a footballer. You all your um, pads and everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same thing. Okay. No, no. Okay. I won't be a footballer. Um, that didn't work out. Just uh, one wasn't good enough really probably in the end um, <laughs> and then I always wanted to be a lawyer that was always my fallback so that was the idea that I was going to finish school go to law school do that kind of thing and um, realize that definitely was not for me because I was done with studying and it kind of fell into hairdressing after I did a bit of sales Um my mate back at home is a hairdresser and he was just probably the happiest guy I've ever met in like my early years and yeah. I was like I could do myself a piece of that do you know what I mean? I've done everything else. I've played football. I've like done sales. I made a bit of money. And I just yeah. wanted to kind of a different side of life. So I got into it. And um, yeah, I kind of fell in love with it pretty much straight away. And that's a real cliche thing to say. But it really was probably after the first week, I was like, I feel like I'm at home. Yeah. Like I feel like this is what I could be doing. And even though I'm still not an artist or a creative, it, I saw kind of a mathematical way of doing hairdressing yeah. and more of a business way of doing hairdressing that's what really kept me involved and kept me attracted to Gets the industry going, yeah. yeah um like i've done i've done collections and won awards and stuff but i i haven't done it as an artist to get my work out there i've done it because it's the next dot yeah. in my line of dots to get Which to where i, I want to get really interesting and why i wanted to have these conversations because i'm the same way like 
I wanted to be a great artist and I'm not. And I, you know, maybe won a coloring contest or two, but that's it. And I, I don't have that either, but I know that I can really succeed in this industry. And I am trying to find my niche and where I fit in. So I think it is really helpful for people to hear from someone like you who has been able to make a name for himself, won awards, done collections, but be very honest in saying that's not quite my forte and that's not what it is. And I think people don't realize that when they see the platform or see, you know, what you're putting out there that they don't realize that. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I think when it comes down to the creative work and the awards, you've got people like my one of my favorite people in the world, Lauren McCowan, who can literally do anything with hair at any point in any way. She's yeah. literally probably the top three or four in the entire world hairdressers. She's just incredible. Awesome woman as well. A dear friend of mine and just encapsulates what an artist is. Yeah. And then you've got people like Kobe Bakshi, who's just kind of real out there and thinks ways that he could look at a brick and the and create an entire collection around it and your head your brain doesn't <laughs> like and neither nah. does mine i nah. find that with charlene charlene yeah. will be walking yeah. down the street yeah. and she takes her camera and she's like look at these leaves i know look yeah. at these leaves and i'm like what the hell that's in a burnt tree yeah yeah like it's they're just gonna open I the floor and dog's gonna pop on it had that <laughs> ability but i've said that to her from day one it's the same thing i'm like i just do not look at the world the way that y'all look at the world but i think that's the beauty of this industry is that you don't actually have to be that and for years it's been said that you have to be that yeah. you have to be the creative because we're a creative industry yeah it's a pile of crap you do yeah. not have to be that person you can be anyone in that in, in this industry and that is the beauty of it that's why it's industry should and will grow and grow and grow because yeah. people like you and i that have more uh i reverse engineer everything so with my collections and stuff i work out what the judges would want to see what's yeah. current i look at trend reports and stuff like that and then i work my way back from what they want to see and i put every single element into my collection then rather than having this vision of i think this and who yeah i get that so Zero when you started your career, you actually started management quite early, which was something I found very interesting. And it makes sense now from hearing what you're saying that you got into the industry and then you started being an assistant manager when you were only 22. How did that happen? And how long had you been hairdressing that you were able to be managing people and then being like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, it was, it's a bit, it's a bit still of a say funny that, story. But, you know? nah, yeah, it's actually a funny story. So. <laughs> When I moved from the UK to Australia, I'd only just qualified as a hairdresser. And the okay. idea wasn't to qualify and then move. The idea kind of came about because I burnt every single bridge at home with friends, family. I'd just created a whole pile of crap for myself and I had to get away from it. Changed. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? True bloke thing, just escape all my problems and move to the other side of the world. Now, retrospect, it worked. It was brilliant. It's the best thing I ever did. When I, when I moved here, the salon I worked for, because I was in Sydney to begin with for the first year, oh. um, the guy kind of put me on a pedestal because I was an English hairdresser and oh, I was working in so the Blue Mountains. so this wasn't in England. This was in Australia. So nobody knew who you were and that's why you got management because <laughs> you could just bullshit okay. your way through it. Pretty much. Well, I you didn't can even... talk the talk. You can do anything. I think that's well, something I've, I've learned. <laughs> absolutely. Gift I, to the, the, the thing that happened was he turned around and said, 
like you're an English hairdresser, you're clearly going to be better than any hairdresser I can hire because you're English, which was the biggest pile of crap I never heard. Like, I was raw. I wasn't going to correct him. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You want to pay me a bit of extra cash? You want me to manage people? That's fine. So that's kind of how I started. And then when I moved oh to God, Melbourne a year it. later, once again, I worked for a salon because I needed a, I needed a sponsorship. And this guy, yeah. Danny St Kilda, was going to give me a sponsorship, no questions asked. Um, so I was like, okay, perfect. Now, the salon had its issues and there was a bit of a management restructure and I found myself as an assistant manager straight away. Um, managing people who had worked there for quite a few years and one guy was even in his 50s who wasn't exactly a massive fan of me when some 22-year-old whippersnapper Stop. came in and started managing him. Um, <clears throat> so I kind of fell into it. But I, the best the best way of doing it is falling into it because it I learned so you. much of what not to do from all the mistakes I make, because my God, I made some mistakes. That's the only way you learn is by failing at those certain points and going, yeah, What cool, do you me. wish you knew before? Or like, what, what was the big, what was a big mistake? Empathy. I had zero empathy. It's something I've had to work on my entire life because I, I struggle. I'm so stubborn and narrow-minded. And that, that has helped me in a lot of my career. You're self-aware. Yeah, I am completely self-aware. No, I definitely, You're definitely know. Plus, I've got two amazing business partners in Michelle and Nikki. That if I, I know, they tell me, <laughs> they yeah. tell me where things are. Um, well, I am incredibly naive. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty narrow-minded, and that's helped me in a lot of my career because I'm very focused on a on an end goal. Yeah. I have a very, very structured career path that every that so far everything's being ticked off. But on the other side sometimes before not necessarily since i've bought ruby because i've got better but before i really struggled to understand why people just couldn't get the hell on with life why people had to kind of wallow in self-pity and doubt i didn't get it because i've never had that i'm a confident person i've never felt anxious i don't care what people think about me like, you've got a bad opinion about me don't care I can move on. I've got my circle. I've got my friends. I know who I can trust, and that's it. And I had to kind of switch. Like it does other people, and it's hard in a management position to manage people who are not maybe as driven or are content in their normal. All about those are things that are quite difficult. I've always been very happy in my own skin. Granted, I'm never. When I say happy, I, I, I understand what happiness is to me, and I think this is a very, 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 very key point. Happiness to every individual is different. My happiness will be different to your happiness, which is different to someone else's happiness. What I find happiness in is different. My happiness comes from never being fulfilled. Yeah. That is actually how I'm happy. The fact that I'm never finished. Because it's Other people, yes, it's my drive. Other people find happiness within completions of tasks. Yeah. So that's what I struggled to get my head around was why, can't, why isn't everyone like me? Yeah. And that sounds so selfish, but there's so many people that don't, that think like that yeah um so i really that's what i really struggled with was building the empathy luckily now with me being a, a, an owner of a salon the team i have i kind of inherited most of the team yeah um so walk they, us through that so you you went from sydney moved to melbourne because you needed the sponsorship uh yeah so i did i had a sponsorship well i was getting a sponsorship in sydney but the guy i was working for in sydney was an ex bikey turned born again Christian. It was a little bit too much for me. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. I was like, I've got to get it. I know, it's right? It's like, look at this guy. This is He's probably why he's attracted to you. Get yeah. top. <laughs> Subconsciously, so I grew my hair and grew a beard. Um, 
I just had to get out. It was just, it was okay. depressing. It was just insane. And so went to another salon in Melbourne. And then how did you end up at, at Ruby Inn? What, what kind of position did you end up taking there? So I was, <laughs> without saying too much, the salon I was working for did a bit of dodgy stuff. Yeah. And my sponsorship got cancelled and I wasn't aware. So the Australian oh. government gave me 28 days to find a new sponsorship. I had to get the hell out of the country. Yep. Every international has heard this before. Yes, we all go, oh, yeah, that letter. Yeah, we've all had one of those. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm being deported. Fantastic. <laughs> awesome. Great. Can't wait. Um, so I kind of spoke to the old owner of Ruby Hair when I first got to Melbourne. She wanted to hire me there, but she didn't want to do a sponsorship because she'd been burnt before. So because I had the sponsorship, I contacted her again and I said, listen, all you have to do is register as a sponsorship salon and sign the paperwork. Everything's paid for anyway because I've already got my sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how that started. So I moved over and I came over in like an advanced stylish role, which was their top level at the time. Yeah. And uh, No management role or anything, but she kind of did want me to run my eyes over what was going on. Um, and in typical Tom, lack of empathy kind of way, came in and just put everyone offside within two weeks. <laughs> like everyone. I was like, oh, this is going to go well, isn't it? Um, I think because I've come from a management role, going into it's a non-management role, back. it's really hard. And my ego, I've got, a, I've got an ego. I'm not ashamed to say it. I think that's kind of why I do what I do and why I'm good at what I'm good at. Um, but sometimes, especially when I was younger, it stepped out of line and that was one case of my ego ruffled stepping out of line feathers. oh ruffled a few feathers i might as well have got the chicken and there's just... flying everywhere like it was more than ruffled they were they were pissed they were pissed at me um and then i kind of gradually worked my way up into they did like new roles like principal stylist got that role um and it was probably about three years ago i've always wanted to be my own boss it's always the it's the only way i was ever yeah. going to get a little bit of fulfillment yeah um, and uh, bring that happiness into my life so the idea was i spoke to the old owner of ruby hair and said listen i spoke to him i think it was like maybe may or june and said i'm going to resign at the end of the year i'm going to leave and start my own salon it's going to be the opposite side of the river so don't worry i'm not going to nick your clients um but i'm going to give you six months notice anything you need from me to train because i was training the girls up as well with the yeah. cutting so anything you need from me i'll do now and then after Christmas, come back New Year, I'll start my salon. You can have a clean, fresh break. Everyone wins. Yeah. And she was really good with it. She was like, yeah, no problem. Like, I think giving your boss that much notice when you can yeah. is two things. One, it's, I've had someone do it with me, very brave, because your boss can turn around and say, nah, you well, know, give us your thing. notice now and see you later. And like, no, you're done I today. Thought, <laughs> what the hell yeah, am I going to for six months yeah. before Christmas? it's a bit of a brave move and a lot of people said don't do it but i knew that even though me and the old owner didn't necessarily see eye to eye on a lot of things the respect was there she knew i'd work my ass off for her and i knew she'd do the right thing because she was a good person so yeah. it, was, it was okay um and then it was definitely that was all going and i was setting it up i got the name um i'd got the logo sorted i'd even got a place in collingwood that i was looking about to rent um i'd set my i'd had spoken to like bank managers about setting my business bank accounts up uh, abm was sorted everything was done oh my God. Uh, i hadn't signed the lease but everything was done and uh we're at the christmas party ruby hair christmas party 
and the old owner was absolutely mangled. <laughs> mangled. There's nothing better than a hair salon oh, Christmas party. Best 30 people, everyone's on the beers, brilliant. And then she came up to me and said, You won't leave, you'll end up buying me out. And I was like, Yeah, of course, right, whatever. And then literally, a week, <laughs> then literally a week later, she said, Why don't you buy me out? Like, why don't you come in with Michelle and Nikki? Yeah. And own some of the Windsor Salon. And I was like, Nah. So no was way. that already built? Like, they already had the multiple locations at that time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's not more, like you opened than, that yourself. That was already existing. So Windsor, the Windsor Salon's been there. Ruby has an, a, a busy, it's been around 30 years. Wow. So I the Win, yeah, yeah, yeah. Windsor's been there for 30 years. Um, yeah. And it, like I said, even though me and the old owner didn't necessarily see eye to eye, to have a hairdressing salon yeah. in Melbourne open for 30 years, yeah. they're constantly... Granted, it had gone through a bit of a dip before we bought it, like it was definitely on a decline. But to have a business that made money consistently every year is a rarity. It's a rarity. Like she did a very good job, even though I didn't agree with what, where it was going. She'd done yeah. a phenomenal job. And um, so the guts and the foundation of the business already there, it was declining and there was some serious problems in there. Yeah. But that was my, more because she was ready to let go. She was done for, yeah. she was ready for retirement. Know what I mean, it wasn't. Yeah. She didn't have a heart in it anymore. Um. So yeah, she. We, I spoke to Michelle. We come up with a deal. Um. I didn't want to own the whole salon on my own. It wasn't even on the table to be honest. But I okay. didn't want yeah. to do it because I was well into my education at the time. I still am. Uh, yeah. So I was travelling everywhere. Like I think that that year I did something like I think I did seventy eight educational seminars that year. Wow, um. So it, it gave me the option of still owning the salon, still running the salon but also still doing education. And this is exactly what I want to be shedding light on, that there are so many options if you want them. You can own your own, you can rent a chair, you can just do education, you can work for something. Like There's 10 million forks in the road that can be taken, and this is so cool that you know you own part of a salon, you get to educate, you get to do all the, you're ticking all the boxes, it seems like, for yourself of what makes you happy. Yeah, I, it, it changes every year. It changes yeah. every year. So, like now, I've I've left little off the top, as I think most people know now. Um, and that was not people were like, oh, did you have a falling out with the boys? I was like, no. <laughs> Jules and Christian are two of my best friends in the entire world. I trust yeah. them probably more than anyone in this industry. Um, they've always had my back, and they all constantly and always have their back. Yeah. Um, it was more that I just needed to kind of be away from the education scene for for a bit. I was kind of done with it. I was bored with it. Yeah. wasn't really giving me anything I, like when i was doing trips i was kind of like oh i can't be asked to go anymore well yeah. before it was like can't wait to go to perth and it's hard to, to when you have been someone who's a diehard into something and you're like so immersed and this is you and this is your thing to kind of be like oh i don't know if i like this anymore i need a break it's almost like you you create this persona or you know something that is quite hard to walk away from but i think that's quite admirable to change your mind or you know Change yeah. it up. I, I totally agree where you're coming from. I totally agree. I think I think this is where this is where I've always been because I'm so happy in what I'm doing and I always believe in the choices that I make. Yeah. It wasn't an issue for me. So when I decided I'd take a step away from education, mm -hmm. it wasn't a battle. Literally, I thought about it on Tuesday and I'd made the decision on the Thursday. It was done. Because I was like, I know what my next step is now. So now I want to open more salons and I can't do both. So yeah. now that if, if COVID hadn't come and screwed us, the next one would have been open by now. It was oh, supposed really? to be and open. And is that yeah. something that you want to continue 
as like do you still wish a little bit that you had your own brand and your own thing that you envision because you seem quite stuck on your visions a bit that you had this idea and you wanted your own and that's what you were doing or have you realized now being in business that you need those partners and you couldn't do it on your own kind of um that's a bloody good question that is a really good question you write that one down no two pages I reckon, okay, so there's always a part of me, and both my business partners know this, there's a part of me that wants to do my own thing. Just for the satisfaction a little bit of saying you've done it yourself. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've very quickly understood that I am not a CEO of a company. I hate shit when it's built. I get bored very quick. This is going to sound horrendous, when COVID first came along, a little, I did a little bit of an excited wee. Because I was like, I have to do stuff that no, has never been done before. I have to, and I hate the word pivot, but it's the only way you can put it because it's become yeah. like the buzzword now. But I had to pivot. I had to go, right, what do we need to do? How do we need to, how to, how do we need to open? Um, how can we still maintain a business? How can we make sure we don't go bankrupt? How can we keep making money? Yeah. How can we look after the staff? How can they keep, do you know what I mean? There was always different things and I was alive again. Yeah. Like this, but I think like that that is very up. important to have someone like you in a business position with partnerships, to have someone who is motivated like that, who is driven like that, who thinks opposite as maybe one of the other partners, or I don't know, who's more creative or more, more artistic or that's more their thing. You need that. So it sounds like having business partners is quite beneficial to you. If you get it right, if you yeah. get it right, at us three, we complement each other so much. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, there is always, always going to be this every so often. And I guarantee and you can ask both of these. Usually that's because I'll I'm be being like, an arsehole. I'll be like, can we come on to tell our side? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> this is I'll be honest, it's usually because of me being an arsehole, me pushing and pushing and pushing. Because I do push. Like when everyone comes up with an idea, I will push back as hard as I can to see whether it can be developed into anything else. Because yeah. that's how I like to be done and how I like to be treated. And once again, it's something that that empathy part of life that I'm still trying to learn. Um, but we, we complement each so well. Nikki has got a creative mind. She is the creative. Like, she runs our photo shoots. She she ran mine. She was the creative director of my shoot. Because I don't, I don't want to do it. I hate it. I'll come yeah. up with the styles. I'll do the styles. I'll come up with the looks. And I'll come up with the mood. But she she was the one who kind of got the models moving. Because I don't enjoy it. She's yeah. very good at that. Um, so she, because she, she finals for Victorian hairdressers of the year every year. Like, oh, okay. she was this close to winning it, I reckon, last year. This yeah. close. Um, if Lyndall Salmon hadn't been in there, I reckon she could have won it. Lyndall just that kind of knocked out the park. That bloody Lyndall, tell you. Go and do Australian hairdressers of the year. You're too good for that. Uh, so, Give us a shot. Yeah. But she, yeah, Nikki's really creative. She gets it. She understands it. She can make, she makes something flow so well. It's brilliant um, so she runs all our creative stuff michelle michelle loves numbers like loves numbers she's like she's a trained accountant oh, so cool. she looks after all kind of the she stops the money from going out and so she, everybody who like she's a hairdresser as well as you said she's an accountant but she could yeah all three of us hairdressers but yeah. she she essentially stops the money going out so we kind of class her as our ceo um, no one has a no one has an overriding opinion above anybody else. Yeah. All, all three of us have to agree. 
but we class her as a CEO because she, I don't want to talk yes, to reps. I don't like them. Don't like reps. Don't want to talk to them. Like, because it's like, oh, we can do you this deal. Just give me your best deal and move on. I've got no patience for it. Michelle has. She can talk to them. She can get the best deals out of them. She's good like that. Um, she, like I said, she stops the money going out uh, and I concentrate on the money coming in. <clears throat> and ideas like, so, like with uh, rebranding the websites and stuff like that, kind of that's what I get off on, like building stuff like that and making sure uh, our culture at Ruby Hair has shifted a lot in the last two and a half years. We we do things, I think we do things very differently to, yeah. I'd say, 99% of salons because we, we honestly see that we work for our staff and not the other way around. So we don't class ourselves as bosses. In what um, way? How do you think that it's different what you're doing? Because uh, we, we run our business purely for them. We don't run it for ourselves. And I'll explain this because people go, that's ridiculous, and it's not. As I was in a – all three of us worked for Ruby Hair before we bought into it. Okay. It's so, it's so unique as a business that I thought I'd, be, I'd reckon you'd struggle to find another one in Australia like it because we all came from an employee in that business to become an employer. Yeah. We always saw from the gra from the grassroots up the issues and the problems, yeah. which all started from the bottom and worked our way up. Yeah. So we, we're very connected to that employee mindset. We're not necessarily in an employer mindset 100%. Yeah. So we see it from their point of view. Now, the number one issue I always had with everyone I ever worked for was no one asked our bloody opinion on what was good and what was shit. Yeah. How can you create a good working environment if you don't ask your bloody staff what a bloody good working environment is? It's so simple. And because no it is one does different it. to everybody. It is. Like everyone wants something different. This blanket management that's been going on in the hairdressing for years and years and years has now come to a massive halt because the new generation come through has gone, I am not going to be <laughs> yeah. spoken to like that. Being asked to work extra 10 hours for free, shouldn't have to. It's changed. Yeah. And I think because we're mm -hmm. closer to that generation, we've been able to mould quite quickly to that. But a lot of hairdressers, business owners think that younger hairdressers are entitled. They want their way and only their way. They want flexible working hours. How bloody dare they have a life? Like it's just the way, do you know what I mean? It blows my mind still because it seems yeah. so simple to me. Yeah. But we base our entire business around what our staff want. Our staff are our commodity. They're our family. So we don't sell hair. We sell our staff. Yeah. Right? Love it. And I think it ha like you definitely have made waves in the hair industry and on social media. Like I think the shit that you do is great. Like I've always loved it. I've always said like, I came from a very Turak salon, lots of blondes and classic foils. And I was like, I want to be doing more creative hair that's still beautiful and consumer and a bit, I want a variety. And I think you put that out and it shows the energy from the salon, I think comes out in the social media and in, in all of that, like, and yeah, I feel like I've only been here four years. So I don't know what it was like 30 years ago, you know, for, ruby but i think that it is something that's making waves and that people thank are noticing you. thank you i think the, the, the number one thing that all three of us nikki michelle and i have always said we do not want to be the cool kids <laughs> we don't want to be the cool kids i do not want to be the number one salon in australia i have no ambition to be that at all 
Um, How not come? Trying... You're so ambitious. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you have all these exactly what you said bullet points. I want this, this, and this. What? Why not that? Because I don't want to push my ambition onto other people. Because I think that's unfair. Um, my ambitions are for me and my family. Like the way I want to do things, I can do on my own in my own lane, but still look after and be there with Ruby Hair. It's, yeah. it's, it's a different thing with Ruby Hair. It's a family environment. We've created a safe, not a judgment-free area where you can be yourself. It doesn't matter what color, creed, religion, what you're into. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. we've created a space that is purely safe for everyone. All staff will call us with their problems, personal, professional, whatever, and we can talk them through. Like I'm talking through a staff member at the minute has got problems with their lease because yeah. their real estate are being assholes. So I'm talking them through that. So they come to us because they know it's safe and judgment free. We will yeah. just back them in. And um, it's the same when it comes to like client problems. You always get that client that's never happy, right? Yeah. We've all had them as a hairdresser. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Jog on. <laughs> but we look at things differently. We look after our staff first before we look after our clients because our staff look after our clients. Yeah. So if there's a client staff, uh, sorry, a client hairdresser issue with the structures we have in place, it's very easy to see who is at fault. And if the client is at fault, we'll tell them you're at fault, not our problem. You were at, this is what you asked for. This is what you got. We advised it. You read it down. You signed it. This is what it is because we're not going to let our staff get run over by some Torak mom who's got a problem because her wealthy husband won't give a hundred grand for a new car and she takes, and out, takes everybody it else. out in that way. Yeah, but just I not going to do important, it. And I think it is important to have different people in management roles as well who people can maybe choose who they go to and that's okay like does that ever become an issue for you where if there's three of you or is it just you in that salon and then the other girls are in what like you're, it's you for your location anyway so it's not like you kind of have this they're going to nikki instead of you or something no i think i think no it seems it does it seems to have worked out that the, the way the business is structured is that michelle owns the majority of the of the company yeah. she, she owns all of richmond half of windsor half of Malvern. i own half of windsor Nikki owns half of Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and that's because she was the first one to open up a Ruby Hair with Kay. So she always got the first dibs on yeah. what she wanted to buy. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, the, it, it, to begin with, when I first took over, Michelle had to mentor me hard. Um, well, because the, you really didn't have an, any experience in it, right? Like you, you'd been put in these management roles, but not maybe educated in them. You kind of Bang figured on. it out yourself. Yeah, I figured it out and it wasn't a time where I could make mistakes because I've gone from being their colleague to their boss overnight and it yeah. was a bit it was it was so confronting for someone oh, okay. who the week before you were talking crap with your colleague. Yeah. And you even had a falling out and now all of a sudden that person's your boss. Yeah. Paying your wages. Like it'd be yeah. confronting. So I had to kind of take a step back and be really soft quite a while um and let people kind of warm to me a bit more in a management in like an owner role yeah um and for some people it took a, it took a while so one person just didn't couldn't do it so she had to go yeah um but but that, there's it, always going to be that and i mean it's no secret that you're an outspoken person or you know not afraid to share your opinion so there's always going to be a little something when you are being that way it, yeah like i think from the outside in, it can look like I'm quite demanding of 
of staff and and quite um <clears throat> quite totalitarianism in a way like this is the way it's done this is how i want it done and it's, and it's completely opposite I'm, I'm very outspoken when it comes to the industry i love the industry and i think it's taken a real bad turn over the last five years i think it's gone down the shit of quick and i think the people at the top of the industry at the minute or the ones that have been at the top not all by the way not all but some have got this weird thing where they don't share their stuff because it thinks it's going to end their career mm. and it's just crazy so i i've got a massive opinion on that and i i will be loud proud and quite bullish in some of my approaches to get heard not for an ego thing because no one else is willing to stand up and shout at them and go bullshit you're doing something that's wrong for the industry yeah inside the salon though it's completely different like i see myself as their older brother and i love them to pieces like every single one of them i love them to pieces and i would literally bend over backwards and die for them girls i love them to pieces um and it, I, it's like i appreciate i appreciate what what they do so much because i know without them i don't have a successful business and were you <laughs> Real shocked simple. when you got into business this is something i think as um an employee and especially now with the prices that we charge you know like the tickets that come in the door on my account or on any other person's account were you shocked when you got into the business how much money goes into other things or like i kind of knew i kind of knew before i'd done a lot of research and stuff and okay. like yeah kind of prepping to open my own. Your own yeah but i, I think that worked that's a huge years. thing sometimes that you end up being resentful is not the word but you know being like what the hell like why why would i stay working for somebody else maybe when i could own my own or then you see you know you buy into something and you didn't really have to build the salon and go through all you you got that and now you're in this profitable profitable position perhaps that or did you realize like oh shit this is actually really hard now <laughs> being a manager and figuring all that out and there's a lot more behind the scenes that it made you appreciate yeah I th once again another great question um i think you. you've Found got a calling yeah <laughs> might not <laughs> go back definitely to the <laughs> <laughs> Just sorry carl me too i don't want to do this <laughs> There's a few ways to answer that question. You got, uh, first of all, when I bought into the salon, the salon was probably at the lowest point it had been in 30 years. Like it, it was shit. It, the atmosphere, the culture, the brand was taking a kick in. The whole thing was crap. Um, people wanted to leave. Uh, a lot of people wanted to leave and it, it wasn't. And I'm talking more about the Windsor salon yeah. right now. Uh, the culture was terrible. It was awful. Um, Richmond was a bit different because Michelle owned, has always owned Richmond. So she kind of ran, she owned half of Richmond. And they can so be very different. I think a lot of times maybe as a consumer or as an outsider, you see, um, not a franchise per se, but you see this title and there's multiple salons and think that it's all one, but they're run very, very different. And I can say that I worked for a big family yeah, run exactly. business and I yeah. worked in three of the locations, like, and they're very different everywhere you go. So just because it's the name on the door, it is different and it is dependent on the staff and the management on the vibe in the salon. Totally. Definitely. I think there's, there's definitely the culture you have to get consistent across the three in terms of the way, um, the way you love your job or the way you want to be there for your job. That has to stay very consistent, but definitely the way people act, talk, uh, even, even when it comes to like decor, it can be different. 
and it, I think it should be different yeah. because you're in different. You're you're advertising for different demographics. Totally. You shouldn't have a blanket management thing over across a group of salons. I don't think it works. I think it did 10, 15 years ago. People liked that because it was clinical. People yeah. don't give a shit about clinical anymore. People want to see and feel. They want feeling. They don't want aesthetic. And it's changed very quickly. I don't think a lot of people are getting that. But um, back to, back to your question. Um, it was at the lowest point in thirty years, and I knew. I thought I knew exactly what it needed to do this again. Like I'd kind of worked in my head what kind of profit it would have made um, at its low point, and it was low. wasn't much Wasn't much at all. Um, and I, I've always had a figure in my head where I wanted to get to. I'm not ashamed to say I, I want to earn good money. I do. Yeah. I work my well, that's, ass off. That's where I wanted these conversations to go to show that you can make money in this industry. And I came from a place at home that I You were a massive salon, weren't you? Yeah. Pardon? You come from a huge salon oh, back in Canada, don't you? Massive. 50 of employees, 65 chairs, multiple locations. Like it was, it was outrageous and it's very very different salon um culture maybe is the word to use but you only worked on commission that's it and it was good money like i bought an apartment when i was 23 i traveled i moved like i had the life that my friends who went to uni were still in debt from and here i was making you know six figures let's be real six figures and that is something that as a hairdresser is not really heard of so it's quite definitely not in this country yeah and i i have found it challenging there's no secret i found it very challenging coming here going from that to what it is here so i do find it very interesting talking profits and talking shares and all these things as an owner yeah i find it very interesting the the root of the problem of not making money as a hairdresser in this country is not in salons it's not in tafes it's not even in the hairdresser themselves. It's the industry as a whole not charging enough. Full stop. That is where the root of the problem with low pay. Do you comes think from. the ticket price is too low? Like my balayage price is too low. Oh, so this is where I mean. So on, we have such a gap between high end and low end. Yeah. That people don't understand what you pay for. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we still have people opening salons trying to undercut next door to get people in. That is how you drive an industry down. If salons were to open and jack their prices up, that's how you set an industry standard higher. It's so interesting that you say that because when I came here, I was shook at how expensive everything was because I was charging more for my service than what I was charging at home. And my starting rate was less than what my commission when it balanced out would have been. Um, and I found that very interesting that the price was actually higher. But then when say I went to the beauty supply or something, the, the cost of the product was actually double. So yeah. this yeah. is where the problem is, is that yeah. <clears throat> because, because with Australia, we there's somewhat 40 registered hairdressers. There's 47,000, I think, registered hairdressers in this country. That's it, right? That's a very, don't worry, that, that excludes unregistered hairdressers, home hairdressers, stuff like that, right? Which is probably there's another 20, 25,000 of them. 
because there's such a small amount of hairdressers in this country, when it, if you think about the amount of salons that would equate to, the actual buying power of the industry in this country is a lot lower than what would be in Canada, the US, Russia, China, all that kind of stuff. So prices here have always been inflated. It's the same with houses, tomatoes, <laughs> everything. Tomatoes. Like it's tomatoes, tomatoes, same thing, right? Potato, potato. <laughs> but this is, this is one of the problems that we have. Um, so prices do need to be more expensive here. They do need to be more expensive. Yeah. Um, but, but then why are wages lower? Because, because of the gap that, it, that yeah. so for a salon, right? A good salon, a good salon that's doing well will probably skim around 12 to 15% of clean profit at the end of the year. Which right? really isn't that much, right? For all, considering yeah. when you own a business, you have your houses on the line. <laughs> your yeah. life. Like if a salon goes under, if you're an employee, you just go and get another job. Yeah. If you're an employer, you've lost everything. Yeah. Like you've got no money. You can't just go get another job. It's not that easy. Um, so it's different. So for all that risk for only 12 to 15%, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous really, if you think about it. Um, but there is ways of doing it where that 12 to 15%, if you do it well and you can save money in other areas can quite easily equate to $300,000 quite easily. Um, it's just a way you've got to know a way of doing it. Yeah. But the reason why wages generally speaking are averagely low i saw something with a union the other day in the hairdressing world that i got really pissed about because they were like the average wage for australian hair i saw this i saw this i know exactly what you're talking about pile of crap i've ever heard you don't think it's true that that's the average i can actually tell you it's definitely not true i can debunk it within two seconds that includes casual and part-time wages you can't turn around and put casual and part-time wages in a, with a full-time wage and create an average it's just shit yeah like no other industry does that the only yeah. industry that does that to shit on ourselves i was like my eyes nearly fell out of my head when i saw that because what was it i think it was like thirty-five thousand or something wasn't it thousand they said yeah but that like <laughs> if the, uh, the basic minimum wage for a hairdresser in this country is i think forty-five thousand seven hundred. if you're over the age of 21 somewhere like that um yeah, I think some like if you're working full time hours, that's thirty hours a week, and that includes like your Saturday loadings and stuff like that. <clears throat> if you work part time and work half of that, half those hours, <laughs> the national average will be half that amount. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Now what they've done is put those two together and gone down the middle and gone, oh, thirty-seven yeah. grand, which is it's a pile of shit. It's a lie. And then it um, creates this like stir of everybody being like, oh. Yeah. I'm not going to be a hairdresser if that's what I'm going to okay. make. Like that's just, that's deterring people, and that's what again I wanted to have these conversations yeah. to show people that you can earn more than X, and you can go and travel the world, or you can go and work at the opera and do wigs like my friend Karen. Like there's so many things that you can do that can be successful and can be profitable, and that's what I want these conversations to be about to show people that you can make money. <laughs> You can make money. You, you can. You can listen. You can make money in any single, single and love field it and enjoy you, you it. want. Yes, definitely. You won't make money unless you love it. That's a thing. You have to love it. It's not. If you, if your ambition, like I'm thirty, I've just turned thirty-three. I am now finally starting to earn a wage that I think represents 
actually no i don't i still don't think it represents my worth but i'm getting there not quite there yet but i'm getting there and it's took me till 33 and which is not that old really but i've worked 80 hours a week to 100 hours a week every week the last five years of my life to build a name to get a reputation to get into business and to work on it like it's it's hard to get into and to make money but that's the same as any industry it's the same as any industry yeah. once you're there the hardest bit is actually staying up there not getting And how there. do you feel like you did make a name for yourself like say to the person coming in and they see oh tom white like cool men's hairdresser of the year and all these things like how do you think that you actually got to this place that you can go to an award show and people know who you are or you have now have a platform for yourself um <clears throat> a few different things number one and i think this is most important i never listen to anyone else's opinion now what i mean by that is i hold my opinion my opinion of myself higher than anybody else so i'm my worst critic so if i cocked up i will have a go at myself i won't listen to anyone else having a go because they won't understand the reasoning why i cocked up i mean, i know that so i always listen to my own opinion above everybody else's it doesn't mean that I don't take information in, <clears throat> it means I use it and then create my own opinion. Secondly, work ethic. I work, I'm not the best haircutter in the world. I'm not the best educator in the world. <clears throat> I'm, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't remember yeah. that you're a shit hairdresser. Yeah. I remember this speech. Yes. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. I took that class with you and I was like, God, this guy's not very good. It's true, and that was. Oh, what, but I three, remember three you ago? saying, I'm not the best hairdresser, but you will find me in my garage cutting that mannequin every night yeah i remember i, 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 out, I outwork anyone that's the only reason why i've got to where i've got is because i i outwork anybody um and that was because my work ethic's always been good since i was a kid yeah. um thirdly <clears throat> and I, I think this is very very important as well i'm completely and utterly happy with who i am i don't compare myself to anybody yeah. ever like i'm running my own race i don't care if like if other people are doing good stuff like i applaud that i want the industry to grow i don't compare myself to anyone i'm not in a race against anyone i'm only against myself yeah. i think that's very important and yeah. I, I think with, with these things if you can combine them you can build a career in any industry um yeah that's my that's my advice anyway yeah love it i feel like i've really gotten what i wanted out of this like i just wanted to be able to have somebody because i actually haven't talked to a business owner or have been Brian, but just different things that I wanted to shed light on and show people how they can get into it. And for you, it was starting at a salon and just speaking up and and saying that you wanted to own your own and look how that turned into somebody offering you yeah. what you wanted. Do, kind do of. you know what? Like it, I, I hear a lot of, when I teach, I hear a lot of people going, Oh, I'd love to own a salon and it pisses me off because if you look if you really wanted it you'd go and do it yeah like you'd actually walk it don't stop saying stuff and just go and do it what's the worst that can happen especially if you're under the age of 30 years old let me tell you right now you haven't even started life yet you haven't even started like you are this much into something this big you ain't even started so do it the the time to make mistakes is before you're 35 but make as many as you can i'm not saying going out there and making purposely but it's if you want to own a salon you want to open a salon 
go out and open a salon. Yeah. And if you if you cock it up, what's the worst thing? You shut down, you might have a 20 grand debt and you're, what, 25 years old. You'll clear that before you're 28. Yeah. And you can start again. You'll learn a lot more. And I think that's what's confusing, or not confusing, but maybe people feel like, I don't, I don't know anything about accounting or I don't know anything about business. I'm a hairdresser. I've gone to hair school and I don't know it. So how could I ever come out from being a hairdresser into a business owner or all these things? And that's exactly where I wanted these conversations to, to go. One of my, one of my, one of the people I admire most in this industry is Joey Scandizo. Not only is a great bloke, but he's also done something that no one else was able to do. And that was create an empire I literally was just going to say the word empire and <laughs> um, he has his created an empire an empire from he monetized the awards that he that he won now he's he's a clever businessman he understands money he understands how to use it to grow things but more importantly and i think and i've never asked him this but this is me looking from the outside in and i think he, he would be the first I to will. say this he yeah he surrounded himself with the right people at the right time who he could trust and who would help him grow things. He had mentors and friends around him in a circle that helped him build. Yeah. And that is so important. You cannot build shit on your own. You yeah. need a group and a team. And that's Always exactly something truth. that is this goes without saying, well, it doesn't go without saying it's something that in a photo shoot, you've just said you couldn't have curated that photo shoot had you not had X, Y, and Z to help you with that. And it's something that deters people from doing shoots or it would deter me because I'm like, what the hell? Like, I don't have a vision for any, I have just this one idea, but I don't have a vision or same with the business. You have to find the right people and, and talk and network and use that gift that you have as a hairdresser to talk, to find the people who are going to help you figure out those dreams. And you don't have to know every avenue but as long as you've got the idea and the vision for it, people will help you if you know you're a good person. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I build just build your squad. Build your squad. Yeah, it's always the way to do it. Build your squad. Network with people. Make good friends. Don't and don't I think do that's it helped you too. I mean, I think for your own self, who you are has helped you. But look, like you being friends with Jules and getting you know in there, absolutely, that, that opened your doors. I would say yep. to education and helped you absolutely. make a for yourself. Right? Oh, that absolutely. The whole the whole little office up thing was literally the making of my Your career. Picks, yeah. Oh, it was the making of my career. That the Tognini family, Benny, Tracy, Jules, and, and Christian, yeah. they were the only four people in the entire country that believed what I wanted to do. No one else. And how did you that. get in with them? Did you ask, "Can I educate for you?" How did that kind of happen that you became an educator? <laughs> I'm feeling some beers are involved. I so <laughs> put that. was a lot of beers, a lot of beers. Involved, I got them drunk and then they finally agreed to hang out with me. What, right? This and I, the whole family know this. The whole family. So it's all started. There was a competition years ago called Global Synergy that was run by Emiliano Vitali, Benny Tognini, and I was given the opportunity to compete in the finals there. And it, we got mentored by Robert Labetta. Uh, Jamie Furlan, uh, Matt Clements, Sandy Chong, Jules, Benny, all the, like, basically the top 20 hairdressers in the country. Mentoring. We got mentored. Oh, for a whole weekend with Robert Labetta. It was just nuts. Um, that's how I met Benny. And Benny said one of the, the thing that kick-started my career was what Benny said to me on this Saturday night. So the, we'd done a bit of mentoring. Saturday night, we were presenting our idea. We were shooting a collection with Robert the day after. 
Um, and all every all six hairdressers had one look to shoot each. And we're all presenting our ideas and I was going last. And every single person that presented their idea, everyone, all 20 of the hairdressers, like the icons were like, that's so good. I get up and just do mine. <laughs> Benny turned around and said the most impactful and honestly the best thing he ever said to me was, that's the biggest pile of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> In front of everybody. <laughs> I bet your work looked shit. Yeah, yeah. He was like, you're not doing that, it's shit. You're not doing that, I'm not shooting that, it's shit. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And Which I think time, can be true. Exactly what we said. I if you're not terrible. the person who is very creative, to be honest, mine would be shit too. Mine would be yeah. this. The only thing I, I know how to do. Wait, a little bit of waves. That's it. Well, do you know what? Like, I'm, I'm a haircutter. <laughs> I do colour and I do style. But fundamentally, I'm a haircutter. That's, what, that's how people know my, my work. And... I tried to do a session style look because everyone else was doing a session yeah, style look and they'd all got really good feedback. I was like, oh, I'll do that then. And it was just like, that's not you, shit. So I had to stay up all night, literally pulled an all-nighter to come up with an idea and start doing weaves and stuff like that to do in the morning. And um, <clears throat> luckily, I pulled it off and it looked wicked in the end, but that kind of got me in with Benny. And he kind of mentored me along with Emiliano. We had chats and stuff. And they used to call me pissed up sometimes, <laughs> Benny and Emiliano, and go, yeah, you work shit, and then put the phone down. It was just really good. <laughs> they don't do it, thank God, but they, they, it was really good. I'm going to do it. And, yeah. <laughs> but then, that's how I, call later. <laughs> yeah. But that's how I got to meet Jules as well. And it was at Hair Expo after he'd won his first ever Educator of the Year. It was first or his second. I can't remember. It was it was a year that he went up against Sharon Blaine, and it's I know it's the one he's more proud of out of all of them because Sharon's Sharon's the queen of education in this country. She's the queen of ever, she's the queen of my queen. life. I'm a, I love her she's so queen, much. Mate. She's the queen, like in terms of like building education and stuff. She no one rivals her over the years. She's done what people only dream of, and she is still doing it. I'm not kidding. I just had a phone call with her two nights ago. And it was 8.30 and she's like, oh, I'm just working on some doll heads. Like, give me a call. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, and she's like, oh, well, I've got to be on set and I'm recording in yeah, Japanese tomorrow. <laughs> but that, that year. <laughs> like. But that, but with Jules, he, he, he knew the only way of actually getting, winning that award, you have to beat the best. Yeah. Sharon was the best. And that I know, I'm pretty sure it was that year that I actually got to finally talk to him properly and have a chat. Like we'd done convos and stuff over Facebook and stuff, and we got smashed one night in the bar. And he just said, "Oh, do you want to come and educate me with us?" Yeah. And I'd just been working for a, a multinational, and I'd just been dropped off the creative team there for having an opinion. Apparently, you're not allowed an opinion in a multinational, dickheads. Um, and uh, yeah, Jules, Jules and Christian gave me the shots. Come work with Little Off Top and help build their brand. And when yeah. you saw him up on stage, because this is like, I need, we need to wrap up a little bit, but I do want to touch on this. When you saw him winning that education award, was that your, I need that kind of moment and where you've manifested that or seeing that kind of made it like you see the next kind of step or? Yeah, I, I just, you know what, honestly, Jules. Because you've Jules won that a, award, have you not? Excellent. No, I'll find a final for it. Yeah, okay. I haven't won it. Okay. Um, I don't think I ever would. will win it. Won it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever will. I don't think I ever will because I don't do enough work. Like these people do. It's I'm going up against people like Dario Contronio, 
jewels. Do you know what I mean? People who do it as like this pretty much full time. I don't. So I'm never going to have enough work to beat them. So to be finally with them is massive um, for me. But yeah. now, you know what? I saw Jules as one, a guy I know I could trust. Like he's honest. He's a very, very kind hearted guy. The whole yeah. family is. They they do what they say yeah. and they don't mess about. Like if, if you want to be with them and you want to do something with them and build something with them, they will come along. But you have to put the groundwork. They never give you anything on the silver platter, which yeah. I like. Um, and I also saw, and I've told Jules this before, I saw a guy who was on his way up, a guy who was actually making some serious waves in the industry who had a very similar outlook yeah. to what how I looked at things and thought, you know what, it could be a good guy to be associated with and help build things yeah. with. That's kind of how it all started. But it goes to show that talking to people and putting yourself out there works i mean i literally was like floating on air the other night walking around the house and my partner's a tradie he does not get this at all and he's like i'm like you don't understand i just booked this person this person this person like <laughs> i booked these people to talk to me that are to me incredible and like why you know and it just goes to show that without without asking and sending 20 dms you know i'm the queen of a dm <laughs> and it works and people people like people who are ambitious or who are doing something just doing something and yeah, sure. i was just stoked that people are willing to talk to me and do this and i you know i'm i'm grateful nah you're a good one mate you're a good one you're a you're a, you're a good chick good hairdresser and yeah you, you, i like you because you care about the industry you actually care uh, there's there's very few people actually think do it's changed my life and I'm so grateful for all the people I know like it makes me like choked up you know like I th I feel very proud that I have moved here and you've moved to a new country and I have this network of people around me that Australian hairdressing is quite small in its own way. You know, you go to the event, you know who you're going to see, and it's the same people. And I feel proud that I can walk in there and walk up to those people and say hi. And they, you know, either know who I am or just are talking to me because I'm willing to just go up and say hi and chat and shoot the shit and be able to create a platform like this is, is exciting for me. And I'm, I'm proud that I can do this. Hey, you're doing a really good job, mate. Really good Thank job. Thanks you. For well, me. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And I just, yeah, want it to be a very diverse and shedding light on all the avenues. So I appreciate you making the time. As you might. No problem at all. Love it. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes.